welcome to episode 48 of the Euro Game Podcast. Today we talk about our first impressions of Warzone 2 and our final verdict of God of War Ragnarok. We also have some news, including the full reveal of the Witcher 3 update and some new details surrounding Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Enjoy! Wow, well, first things first, maybe we should uh, just say sorry we went here last week. We had a few issues come up. We both went in at time. Uh, very busy time at work, busy time, personal lives. It was just a one week off. It's ordinarily a weekly show. Yeah. And we're back again. We're back again. Um, yeah, with everyone's favorite show. If you do indeed like the show, please remember to give us a five-star rating. I think we deserve it. And leave us a nice at least, review. At least a four-star. At least. Five-star will be better, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Review the show and share it with your friends to help us grow. It's much appreciated. And yeah, that's all the boring admin done. John, we're back. Talking about we're video back. games. I know, and I'm in a sort of Christmassy mood, kind of. All, all, all the big November, October uh, games are out. It's kind of, we just sit back enjoying them. We've just had Black Friday, but I, I didn't need to upgrade anything in my setup. Did you get any Black Friday deals? Uh, I bought a new controller for my PC, that's all. Like an official Xbox controller. Yeah, yeah. And some bits and bobs, some cables, like small stuff. I was... Okay. There was like one afternoon where I convinced myself that I need to buy a projector. Okay. Uh, nice, nice. I, I, I looked into it and then, uh, you know, my rational thinking kicked in. Yeah, and I, like, I don't. saw I, those numbers. I don't need a projector. It's I'll be fine. It's one of those things that's great for the occasional movie night, but you really don't get much use out of it. I don't know. I you mean, know, it's not an everyday item. Um, there is like, well, the thing is, I I just I just lived for a few months in an apartment that had a projector in it, and okay, it took me a while to get used to it. But towards the end, I was using it quite frequently because I had like a little setup going where it's like. I literally just need to plug in one cable into my laptop and I'm good to go. Okay, and, okay. And and then it's like pretty nice actually if you have like a good setup. If it's well, it, why why not watch YouTube in glorious seventy by seventy inch? Exactly. Blown up on the wall. I mostly use it to watch football. I have to admit, I did play video games once or twice on there, but then it was like, uh, I could also do it play video games in bed. Which, yeah. I've, which I've been doing a lot because of my laptop. So I can't be too far away from the screen either. I'm one of those people that gets right up close to almost touching. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've am i been since uh, Elden Ring in February, March. I've been doing a lot of having my laptop on me in bed and playing like this. Nice. And the comfort is just unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to beat just being in your bed. It's one of the only things that would ever get me to buy a Switch, I think. Just the comfort of being able to yeah, play from bed. That is really But speaking nice. of playing and playing recently, usual question. You know what I'm going to ask you. Farris, yes. what have you been playing this week? So, um, I finished Golfo Ragnarok, which I uh, first talked about on the last episode. And yeah, I'm now in the post-game content. Which there's quite a lot of, um, and there's good aftercare. I hear they kind of let you down gently with some post uh, end game content, a little bit of side content, a bit of exploration, some collection, 
Yeah, and it's a activities. nice and it's a nice setup as well. Like story wise, it's like a nice. There's a good reason for you to go back out there, basically. Okay, it doesn't just feel like an arbitrary. Hey, we've put some random shitty side quests in the world. No, they they do a nice thing there, which I'm not gonna spoil. Um, it's basically like a setup for how kind of the state of the world continues, and it's and they also use this to. Uh, include news site activities like entire sequest chains and things like this okay um, so this is sort of leaving the door open for expansions dlc content potentially kind of potentially stuff. i see i see one major kind of story beat which they could very easily pick up and go with okay. there's like there's like one moment in the end where one character's like oh man i don't want to spoil anything but someone basically is is going out to do something and you don't ever see them doing that thing so it's like a classic dlc setup um but yeah like i really really enjoyed that game to the end i think my extremely positive or very positive first impression was mostly kept up i think it kind of is maybe a bit too bloated the game uh it ends up being a little bit too much, especially in terms of side content. I, okay. I, I told you this privately, but uh, one of the things I couldn't believe, what, what the game does is like, it, it gives you, so you do like a section, a story section. It's like, you know, scripted scenes, you go through fairly linear levels, you have like big moments, boss fights, whatever, and then once you're done, uh, it usually opens up a new area. And then someone is like... Okay, so oh, very clearly marked, this is the next act. Well done. Uh, New map area. It's actually more like, this is now side content you can do. This is usually oh, side content. Oh, it doesn't open up... Okay, okay. So it's like you've unlocked this area of side content. And that is kind of cute the first two times they do that. And by the fourth or fifth time, it's like, oh, I don't know about this. It's kind of a weird rhythm where every time anything dramatic happens in the story... Uh, especially Mimir, it's like, oh, Kratos, we could go out and do stuff. Uh, that was a terrible... I'm so sorry to the people of Scotland. That's um, okay. I'm sure I'm sure they'll forgive you. Um, my girlfriend listens to this, so and she lives in Scotland, and I apologize. Anyway, um, and yeah, that is kind of a... That always takes you out a little bit of the story. It's kind of fine because a lot of it... A lot of the story's pace is very meandering, and like, it is very... It's almost like a hangout game. Well, it's like you are just in this world with these characters and I enjoyed that aspect a lot because like I said I really enjoy these characters I really enjoy this world there was one point where one of these unlocked side areas uh, was huge and then in that side area I unlocked another side area and then in that second side area I unlocked another new area all just side content very little of which had any relation to the main goings and comings of this game. And do you do you feel much now you're done? Do you feel much? Um, and pressure is the wrong word. Is it appealing to you to go back and do that side content, or would you sooner just start a new game and enjoy the whole um, experience with the main story plot again? Or um, will you be going back to a hundred percent it, so to speak? It's it's a little bit of both. So. Some of the side content I really enjoy and I want to finish. I don't want to 100% it because there's just like 
oh, I somewhere in the deepest corner of the world, and the and the game doesn't have like the most flexible traversal system. So you will, if if you want to do a hundred percent, you will have to do so much backtracking. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to pick up every lore scroll or every chest that I missed. No, no. But uh, what I did, for example, um, those like extra hard boss fights that the game has, um, just like the Valkyries in the first game, there's an equivalent here. I did all of them, for example, which was super fun. The last one is a fucking cunt. <laughs> uh, but I, I beat him after a few hours eventually. Uh and there's a few side quests, some other, um, um, the Muspelheim challenges are back, like also extra tough, like arena challenges. Uh, some of those things I really enjoy doing and I'm going to hopefully go back and do it, do them. I've said this about a lot of games that I would go back and do <laughs> more side content and I never do usually. So we'll see if Ragnarok beats that curse. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would yeah. also like to go back I can and see it being put down for a good year or two. Yeah, <laughs> but it's competing with a lot right now for your time. For sure, I I would also like to eventually go back and play for the story again, just without any distractions, because um, the story is really good overall, and um, I really enjoyed also the ending, even though I feel like it didn't quite fulfill all of my wildest dreams maybe okay the second or third tier of my wildest dreams but i feel like they pulled some punches there in a way that i was slightly let down with in terms of mostly in terms of like just the epicness of the occasion because it's like you know ragnarok okay. big war big apocalypse and there's a lot going on i kind of thought it would be but, but does bigger. it not quite reach the heights you were... Okay, yeah, it didn't quite reach what you were hoping for. But it's like... Mostly in a that... Key or yeah. two, a key or two too low. Yeah, exactly. I think kind of the personal character stuff is all fantastically done. And like the way you... um, With one exception, that's like one major story thread that I didn't really like. Because it kind Wait, of just... Well, you can say it without spoiling the... Uh, can you? Can you just mention the character or... Um... Well, it has to do with Odin. It's like kind of... What... Oh, maybe save it then. Maybe yeah. save it and we'll do a completely spoilers galore <laughs> at, episode in a few months. At one point, yeah. But like one of his major motivations ended up feeling a little satis dissatisfying for me. But um, otherwise, all the other character stuff was fantastic. I I was, again, almost close to tears uh, in, in one moment between Kratos and Atreus. They're just so good at playing that father-son dynamic. It's It's just... It's 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 but very manipulative, from, but it's nice. From what I hear, though, they've um, they've done a good job of not just uh, giving you the same relationship, but showing that it's matured and evolved since the first game. Uh, exactly, and I really really enjoyed that. Like these characters really feel like because it's like a few years after the first game, and it's actually really a big point that Atreus grew up quite a bit, and yeah. he's a much more central character. He has a lot more agency, and he's a lot more fleshed out um yeah that's yeah. testament to how good the writing must be if they've still preserved that great relationship even yeah. if they've changed it they've still got the audience backing for it you know you want to see them do well by each other yeah, yeah. that speaks quite highly of the writing as i said yeah and, and kratos as well they're doing a really good job of of um i think maybe they stumble once or twice with like showing that he's changed also quite a lot uh while still being the same character this, he's maybe a little bit too soft at moments where it's like, oh, come on. 
Like, <laughs> but it's yeah. it's it's really all the stuff's really well done, and, and I all really really um, enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, and okay, verdict, nice. really great game. I I'm, and I I think a better. And you game weren't than let down game. from what you said about so, yeah. So the opinions you had last week when you were like I think at that point you were like forty percent the way through that held till the end with only like the minor disappointment that you would have done the ending at a slightly higher pitch, higher fantasy, more on the line. But besides yeah. that, yeah. Okay, that's really good to hear that it didn't let you down at any point throughout. I think as we said last week, it was pretty, it was a safe one. You know, you knew this wasn't going to be a bad game. Now, before we do move on, uh, now you've fully completed it and that you've fully completed another game that you mentioned earlier. Obviously, the two that are really the big, the big daddies competing for the Game of the Year awards this year will be Elden Ring and um, God of War. Where oh. would you where would you lay your vote if you were forced between those two? Oh, that's easy. It, it it's is it is it? It's okay. obviously Elden Ring. There's, oh, okay, like, okay. God of War Ragnarok is is really great for what it is, and what it is is very familiar, is very known, is very safe. Uh, like you said, there was no question that this would be a good game because it's it's a very polished triple a game and yeah it's it it does very little and maybe next to nothing of what we haven't seen before um either in the previous game or in similar titles like let's say our horizon or something um which is fine and um, not bad if you could execute it, but I think safe's yeah. a good word to use there if you compare that to Elden Ring having to shift genre for an entire franchise. Yeah, and doing it just like no one else. Like just in Elden Ring is like an unbelievable game to me. It's it's, it's e- quite easily one of the best games I've ever played. Maybe could could be my favorite game ever. I and it could easily yeah. have fallen flat. Taking a game like Dark Souls and trying to change fundamentally what that is is bold. So yeah, I'm very happy for them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I wonder whether uh, I have, I would like to think most critics will agree with you, but we'll see. I think it's probably less divisive. You know, I've got another friend that completed God of War uh, recently who loved it and also did Elden Ring, but he uh, didn't like Elden Ring at all. Just couldn't get on board with it. Um, I agree with you. I think it's more impressive what they do with Elden Ring, but yeah, it's not going to be as... Obviously, when you're doing something that isn't safe and is a bit more dangerous, you are going to alienate people. And it is still tough, Elden Ring, you know. Yeah. It's a, Classically, it's a FromSoft game, but... But yeah, let's yeah, not we'll forget see. that it was a major mainstream success. It sold over 17 million copies, I think, was the last number we oh, got. Oh, yeah. No, it's not niche by any stretch, but I still can see... There being a, I, I bet there was a decent proportion of people this year who were persuaded by Dark Souls fans to pick up Elden Ring on the belief that it would be more of a traditional open world, dare I say, easier RPG, and were maybe uh, thrown off that this is still a Dark Souls game. Yeah, but like, I mean, yeah, we could open up many discussions about the accessibility of this game again. I think it's... Uh... But you're totally right. It, uh, I mean, I convinced a few people to get it, and uh, I'm a huge Dark Souls fan. And uh, some of them still hate me for it. Uh, no, just kidding. No, but, but it, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are many of those stories out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I remember our ex-colleague, Michelle, asking me, uh, being really close to buying Elden Ring, and I was like, 
and she's like a big Dragon Age fan. That's like um, a game she 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 uh, it's like among her favorites. And I had to be honest, like as much as I love this game and as accessible as I think it is compared to Dark Souls, maybe uh, maybe don't maybe don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's still, it's still. Maybe play Dark Souls first, and if you don't absolutely hate it, invest in Elden Ring. Yeah. Rather than spend the big bucks up front. All right. Should we, uh, should we move on to something that we played together? Yes. This uh, last weekend, this over the last few days, another, our other another big daddy. Another big daddy, exactly. Uh, to borrow my parlance about uh, popular video games. Uh, well, I'm sure listeners can predict. They know what I'm playing every week. Now, though, I won't be answering Warzone 1. It'll be Warzone 2. Um, it's finally here, yes, John. It's finally here. And we played together. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we played any DMZ. We just played a bit of um, Warzone. But yeah, what did you think? What's, what, what's your opinions of Warzone 2 um, so far? It was a bit of a culture shock because I never played Warzone 1. And um, I played a lot of uh, the multiplayer of Modern Warfare 2. Not as much as you. I saw that you have like twice as many levels as I do, but I'm I'm in prestige, you know, I'm in like level 70, I, pl- I play my... Still grinded. Yeah, and you know, when you're very familiar with that mode of the game, jumping into Warzone is a very different thing, but obviously the movement, the gameplay feels the same, uh, but everything else is different, and and that was, that was really weird for me to get it used to, and also how like... Uh, the dynamic of the game works, like how the weapons work, in, uh, like in terms of pickups, uh, the money system, things like that. Um, but it was quickly really fun. Like it's, I totally see why it's so popular. It's like, um, just really, it feels it feels really well balanced in a way. Maybe that was just like um, the rounds we had, but I thought we never had like any downtime. There's always something going on. Um, when I, I played a few solo rounds, it was more like the classic BR, like you land so- somewhere and there's nothing going on. Um, but we, when we had like three uh, trios or quads, I feel like we quite quickly always got into some kind of situation, either, either with other players or um, I still haven't figured out all those systems like strongholds and contracts. I don't understand what any of that means. But we, we did things like that. There's bounties. There's like so much going on. And that you don't really have much downtime and like the the looting and stuff feels satisfying enough. I still find it a bit, um, it still feels a bit tacked onto me just because I'm so used to that pure COD experience. Yeah. But the whole structure around and the map seems really great. We had some really great like moments, um, fights with other teams and things like that. I know what you mean about that. Like the map is so huge that my first impression would be was only 150 players, a map this big, it's going to feel quite dead quite often in the mid game. But as you say, actually based on the matches I've played, that's generally not the case. Maybe it's because we don't go for super cold drops, but it's not like we're landing first bounty on the flight path. Like we're going for sort of middle of the range drops and we're still, yeah, as you say, fairly going, consistent. We went fairly cold. We yeah, we did actually yeah. decent times, and even then, like we usually always have at least one squad to fight, you know, at all times, and not going too long without any fights. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's like maybe that's something you know down the line. I'll say no, no, we need more players, or needs to speed it up or something. I think the circle splitting helps that because it's 
forcing you into these smaller zones much more quickly we've got fight for your area i think that's yeah i think that's really smart because yeah it's uh, like like really really smart way to uh um um what am i trying to say like funnel players into not just one area but three different areas so whereas in a usual br you spend a lot of like a lot of the map will be filled with people spread around all running to the same place and you just get rid of that basically there's like you are basically always in a circle unless you land somewhere god knows where um so everything feels a little bit more localized you don't have to do so much just like traveling and have that time just running around because you will most likely be in a circle and um so have uh, uh, people are more condensed in per each circle that's at least yeah. what it felt like and i think that's really smart yeah it does there's a lot of good there's a lot of um there's a lot of changes as you say we're quite thoughtful that are very good in general for the community i think the, the 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 biggest sort of shift or the biggest change overall, if if you haven't played yet, how I would describe it is compared to so so as you said, you play a lot of Modern Warfare 2019 multiplayer, but you didn't say hop on Warzone one as much. The the general pattern we saw over Warzone one was that super popular during COVID, then it dies down a bit more, and then over the three years during Warzone one. It was increasingly um, becoming more and more like resurgence or multiplayer. It was becoming quicker. You could find buybacks, you know, so you didn't even need to go to the gulag. You'd be straight back in. And the movement was super fast. And they were bringing out guns that would let you get faster and faster. And it was becoming this kind of much more, again, it was much more dependent on mechanical skill. And it was quite forgiving in from a tactical or mental perspective. You didn't need to plan ahead or think too much. And it was getting down to the point where it was, you know, people were just moving around who were cracked out just in crazy ways, challenging everything, super fast, super aggressive. And I think the more they leaned into that, the more that there was this silent majority who were feeling neglected and were getting kind of bored of Warzone um, as, as it was going on, It was as it was leaning into that. And this feels like a complete switch. Like in the gameplay um, design, you can tell that they're, they're trying to make it far more the case that it's becoming about uh, positional skill and about uh, getting yourself in the right position first, not so much about that mechanical or movement skill. Um, and they've taken away some of the long-range beamers. Like, you can't get people at range, so you need to kind of work it in on each other in a smart way. And I don't know if that's... Obviously, there's some people who are just say, oh, they've learned the skill gap. It's not about uh movement anymore you don't need to be as cracked etc etc without the slide cancelling and all that jazz and the lower ttks now but i think there are actually it's really hard to tell at the moment but i think it is actually probably the majority that are more in favor of these changes we've seen that have made the game slower and more thoughtful and more like a br you know uh that does make you play the map a little bit more I mean, we'll have to see over time. I don't know if it'll... Yeah, we'll have to see over time. Uh, I'm sure it's one that will redress, but I think at the moment there is actually, as I say, the majority that are in favour of these changes. And it's more the people from Warzone 1 who were sort of resurgence players that are going to need to adapt maybe more for Warzone 2. Or they'll just wait for the resurgence map and play that. I mean... Maybe that's yeah. I mean, that's most likely now. I think of it, but in general, we're both fairly happy with it. We could talk about. We should talk about DMZ at some later point uh, when you're yeah uh, when we've played some together because I think it's a good, it's a really good 
uh, casual alternative for people to level weps in and stuff. That's quite a fun mode for people that like PV PVE rather than PvP. I'm not really interested in it. I'm gonna check it out, uh, mostly for, you know, journalistic purposes. Let's say. Yeah. Uh, just to be yeah, able yeah. to talk about it, but I am I am quite itching to uh, play Warzone again. Like, it was really it was really um, exciting and it was really cool. And yeah. So yeah. I think well, we'll we love it, but I'm sure that's later the, today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, later today, and I'm sure on later podcasts we'll talk about it as it's going. We've actually got an interview with. Uh, it'll be, it might be published at an early game by the time you're listening to this, uh, listeners, uh, with a Warzone Pro. So we'll also get oh, his cool. thoughts from people that are you know really good. Do they just feel nerfed, or are they in favour of some of these changes? But no, we're having a great time. Yeah. Should we move on to some news? Yes. Some news. Um, which one? We, we, we picked out two Should we topics. start with the Witcher news? Let's start with the Witcher. Because I quite... This quite... This got me. I have to say, John. It was, it's positive. It's good news. I yep. thought it was exactly what you'd... Uh, let's introduce it first. Because so, the listeners are probably still ignorant of what we're talking about. There was a video released recently where the CDPR devs basically talk us through and gave us the details on actually what the Witcher 3 next-gen upgrade includes. How much does it cost? What do you get? What's it, What are the options? What does it actually add to the game? And the best news is it's free. So right off the bat, I'm just a massive fan. And they already had me in quite a positive mode. And then, yeah, they showed us that we can um, have it on... What's quite nice is you can have it either resolution and you can enjoy ray tracing, but it's capped at 30 FPS, or you can enjoy it on performance mode. And they showed video of the Xbox Series X playing on performance mode. Looked beautiful, very high frame rate. I think still 60, not 120, but it looked absolutely beautiful. And then they showed even better, which is always what I love to see with a remake, they're adding stuff. Uh, there's a Netflix, a quest related to the Netflix show, the story of the Netflix show. But there's also um, uh, like a, a dynamic map and there's um, a photo mode and there's a few new things like that allow you to pause cutscenes now. So it's not fundamental gameplay changes, but it's still, you know, it's more than just, oh, we... We, we, you know, we put this into a higher resolution. Give us twenty euros, please, twenty dollars, whatever. Yeah, which is why um, I think this took quite a while to do. I mean, uh, they announced this like I don't know last year or something, um, and people have been waiting. And I think you've seen now why, because it is, it is fairly substantial. I mean, it's it's still gonna be essentially the same game, but it's more, uh, it's more of an overhaul. Than I thought it would be. Uh, also, because they are touching gameplay, there's like um, a new camera, which I think looks really cool. Um, it makes it's more like a behind the character camera, like behind Geralt, and it looks more like a I don't know, like God of War, for example. Um, and 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 things like this, and like a lot of like you you named a lot of things. There's a lot more. There's a lot of small changes. Uh, things like ray tracing and like it really looks great. I mean, The Witcher when it was when it came out it was probably one of the best looking games. It's probably one of the best looking games of the last generation, um, which was mostly due to the great art style, I would say, and obviously the great work they did. Yeah, it wasn't back then. technically it didn't technically stand apart, but as you say, the art style was absolutely beautiful. And having that jazzed up with new technology is 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 as cool as I hoped it would be. 
Did, did you think watching this video though? So since you're up, this just comes to my mind now. I've got it up in the background. Do you agree? Oh, well, I think when you watch these CDPR devs, I don't want to say they're like um, apologetic or defensive, but I do think part of why they've uh, th- this feels like a goodwill project to me. For sure, like it's almost partly going to be just there to reestablish good. PR with their audience and their fan base. Like you can tell, I really hope that CDPR devs, especially the ones that get rinsed for Cyberpunk 2077, I hope they were all allowed to in some way uh, participate on this project because we know that this is going to be like beloved by the fans. Everyone's going to be thrilled. It's completely free. Like this is a really good positive project. And I just, I think they needed this. I think CDPR really needed something like this. So it's probably costing them a decent amount. You know, this yeah. is probably a, a huge amount for them to do for free. Um, but may, maybe we'll see people buy The Witcher 3, you know, I bought buy it today. the digital store for their PS5. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to admit, it was only a tenner, but still. <laughs> uh, because I didn't own it on PC yet, and this uh, this whole update will come to PC as well. And I played it on a, PS, on a base PS4, and, like, it struggled back then in like when was it 2015 or something <laughs> yeah so yeah. like now playing it in glorious and i'm gonna have like 120 fps and ray tracing and all that stuff and i it, i'm so excited to um to 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 just dive back into this game which which i completely adore in in a much more attractive package um like over Christmas, Christmas, I don't know, but like around the new year, you know, when it's winter, yeah, uh, yeah. it gets dark at like 2 p.m. And you just, you know, get cozy and play the witch. You said it, friend. Yeah, I mean, what do you think I'm waiting for Hogwarts Legacy for? Yeah, That's exactly. going to be exactly what my February is. But yeah, you're, you're definitely right. It feels like, you know, an easy win in a way. And they need every win they can get. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They pulled off at least to I mean to quite a big degree like a comeback with Cyberpunk especially thanks to the amazing anime which which I don't think we ever talked about on the show which I really loved Edge Runners so I I think they pulled off a quite a big comeback but I think there's still a lot of people that the last thing they've heard on you about CDPR is ah oh, they ruined Cyberpunk they lied about Cyberpunk but you're right they, they did do a comeback somewhat with that I think I think um and I'm actually not happy about this, and I'm not happy about my own reaction. I have to be as confusing as that may sound. I think they deserve a lot more scru- scrutiny than they're getting. Um, I mean, this is like fine. You're getting something for free, basically, um, yeah. which which is what they used to be known for doing. You know, um, like all the DLC for Witcher games is always free, and they don't do DRM and things like this. Uh, cool cool always always nice but i do worry that people have forgotten the whole cyberpunk thing already which you know but it was lies it wasn't just a buggy game it was they lied about the game it was it wasn't um yeah it wasn't ambiguous ambiguous or you know they had it had all the features they said but none of them worked it just straight up didn't have the features they said um yeah yeah I mean, it will keep coming up, but I think every time we talk about CDR now, um, I think those voices will be more and more drowned out, you know, by 
by the positivity around it, which yeah. I'm not saying like this is a good thing again, and this is really cool, and I am excited to play this. Um, but and I'm not saying just because Cyberpunk was so shit, you need to hate on the Witcher next gen update. Like that's that would be silly. But uh, just in general, that developer cannot get any free passes anymore after what happened from consumers and critics. And, I mean, we will have to see with the next big project, which uh, will probably be the next Witcher game. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think. Uh, or it will be one of those... Um, it's one of the five we mentioned on a previous part. I mean, they're not I really think, I don't think it's a full one, yeah. is it? I, th I think the next project they're focusing on is the next full Witcher game. And they're also working on the next Cyberpunk game. I think with a slightly smaller team than the Witcher one right now. And the Witcher remake is made by a different team. But all of those projects, like, when they come out in three, four, five, ten years, you know, we need to be on them. We need to... We, they, need, they need a level of scrutiny that they're... That they haven't gotten with Cyberpunk before uh, around the time yeah. it came out. But yeah, it's just remember the times when 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 CD Projekt Red were like the good guys in quotation marks. The good guys. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't long ago. That's no. why. But in the lead up to Cyberpunk, everyone was like hook, line, and sinker, believing everything they were told. And and that's also. Like, oh my god! This is gonna redefine RPGs. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I got and it oh. did not do that. No, not at all. It's it's a perfectly fine game. Um, that's also why this is so funny because The Witcher Three is like their magnum opus, right? It's like their peak as a developer in many yeah. ways. Yeah, uh, yeah, in terms of quality, ambition, um, the whole like legacy of that game, like that made CD Projekt Red a huge. Uh, studio and company that they are and now yeah. they're, they're like it's a, it's a game of a generation and I don't think that's a studio that ever thought they would pull that off when we entered yeah. the PS4 era no definitely and like they're immediately going back to that as, <laughs> as I mean not like a calculated move I think but it is funny like optics wise it's like yeah. oh remember when everything was alright it's it's even <laughs> better what now love does <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's cool. Like I said, I got the Gotti edition. Um, I'm a sucker, but I'm I'm excited for this. Uh, I um, I tried replaying The Witcher Three uh, during COVID, one of the COVID lockdowns, and it just wasn't clicking. And I think partly it was also due to the PS4 performance. It's like, I mean, it's fine. It runs perfectly fine, but it's um, it's not great. Like, it's, You're it's never going to stop and smell the roses. No. Exactly. It's it's not like my recent experience with Red Dead where it's like... Exactly. Wow, this is like I'm playing a different game. Like, yeah. this is a revelation. And I don't know if this will quite be the same, but it, I've, I think from what, we've, what they've shown, what we've seen, it looks improved enough, different enough, where there could be at least uh, a version of that effect, maybe, maybe a weaker version. But... Yeah. I'm I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to that. Well, yeah, we'll we'll be quietly optimistic. It feels like, as we were saying, a safe win, so they should be able to pull this one off. And uh, you know, a reminder to all of those that love Witcher Three. I'm sure there are many of you out there. Make sure you don't miss out on the uh, free 
next gen upgrade when it's yeah. released. I uh, on December fourteen, I think. Yeah. Oh, what lovely pre-Christmas treat. Yeah. Oh yeah, the week before Christmas, I'm gonna be. There's actually, and yeah. there's gonna be uh, full patch notes on. Well, obviously there will be the games out, but um, the video doesn't have. The video is more of an overview. It doesn't tell you exactly all the details, but they've promised patch notes are coming soon that will tell us exactly what the upgrade brings. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Lovely stuff. So, should we talk to our? Should we get to our next piece of news? The ever developing story of uh, <sighs> the. Uh, Microsoft's acquisition, attempted acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Yeah, I mean, in the last few weeks, there was so much going on around this. I feel like every day yeah. there was a new thing. Uh, we haven't really covered it yet. Uh, no, I think to explain to people, just for some context before we do start, yeah. that because this is, um, because the acquisition is obviously so big, you know, potentially uh, the biggest we'll, we'll have ever seen of a single publisher acquiring this massive monolith, that it's um it's being appealed in almost every core across the globe by various individual basically anti-monopoly bodies from various countries so you know the uk south america africa um, emea eu australia all of these bodies around the world that don't want to see uh, monopolies in any sector basically sony have sent out letters to every single one of them trying to appeal this acquisition and saying no if they get Call of Duty exclusive, as well as their other games, although Call of Duty is really the big one that you're going to see in most of these stories, it's not going to be fair. Everyone's going to buy an Xbox. We can't have that. Sony. And that's why we're seeing so many of these different stories. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, <laughs> it, um, it kind of uh, was drowned out a bit, but I read today that Serbia gave their okay. The High Court of Serbia or whatever. Nice. So they nice. have someone on their side. <laughs> They've got someone on their side. Um, but yeah, Sony's role in this is so funny. They're in full like hater mode. They, yeah, they um, are. It's, it's amazing. It's it's so hilarious and like in in all kinds of like public statements, maybe even court hearings. And there's there's also been a lot of leaks. Um, and like I mean, I've been reading Politico for like the first time in five years or something because of the story. <laughs> Just um, to be on the end. And like all kinds of stuff you hear, like the funniest one was maybe where Sony, where Jim Ryan uh, was the CEO of um, Sony Entertainment. Uh, I always say this wrong. Sony Interactive Entertainment. S-I-E, I think it is. There we go. Um, said like, oh, if this happens, we will, uh, Microsoft wants to turn us into Nintendo. <laughs> which is like, one of the biggest my bad nintendo like does this man know that like we just mentioned free sold more copies than either the last of us game like you you'll be fine you'll be fine or the uh where where xbox were to come out and say no it's not that bad look we're already shit and they've got to give examples about how the other two are better than them how their exclusives are worse than sony and nintendo it's so funny they should be allowed to get away with this because they're like already suffering whatever it's so funny and like them trying to um um argue to these regulators who don't know video games like yeah but you know yeah. call of duty is actually not that big like it's actually call of duty actually kind of sucks like if we get it it doesn't it doesn't really it matter won't be that much guys it's not a big thing it's not a big thing you know yeah. like a week <laughs> after how much how much did Modern warfare 2 sell and like like first a weekend? billion in like eight <laughs> days or something no like, yeah. no nah, nah, it actually sucks and they genuinely were like oh yeah but like you see, there's this game Call of Duty Vanguard. It's actually much lower rated on Metacritic than like every Sony exclusive. 
So <laughs> yeah, it's actually yeah, the game actually sucks. We will get a game that sucks. They already have The Last of yeah. Us. It's and as we all know, Call of Duty and The Last of Us have pretty much the exact same player base. So <laughs> no problems with that. Um, maybe like the two major things that came out recently is the first one. This was this came out of political, like I alluded to, is that the American, uh, I think the FTC, uh, kind of the trade regulation body, is, uh, oh yeah, I'm seeing here, I'm quoting, in quotes, likely, uh, going to, get a lawsuit going, uh, antitrust wow. lawsuit against this, uh, so they will probably try to block the deal at least as things stand right now. And also, this is according to inside sources, you know, so nothing set in stone quite yet. Hasn't been publicly filed yet. Um, but, like, I I have heard from, like, from some reading I've been doing in other podcasts that, like, actually the, the Biden government is pretty, is, 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 is fairly um, uh, working with uh, fairly high scrutiny against these kinds of monopolies and these kind of deals so they, yeah. they they will have a tough fight with them for sure no matter what happens um i th- um, like i said the eu is, has also been heavily involved and i think this one is um just like late or one of the latest stories is it's also based on inside reporting i think from reuters that um microsoft will offer a contract to sony to keep call of duty on PlayStation for 10 years. So that, okay. So that's obviously fantastic news for Sony fans that if this even does go through, that's the kind of agreements that they're being held to. And the thing is, I think I think what's happening right now is that there's a lot of stern looks, a lot of like slapping on fingers and I think this kind of concession will be more than enough to to have the whole deal go through. I mean, also, I have to emphasize, I'm very much not an expert on this kind of thing. Uh, I don't know much about it at all. This is just kind of my opinion based on different things I heard. Don't and treat this about. as legal advice if you're a Microsoft I'm, CEO. <laughs> I, I'm not an economic lawyer. It's just kind of the vibe I'm getting also from listening to people who know a lot more about this is that kind of, especially in the US, it's like, okay, they're kind of, you know, playing bad cop here, playing like the tough guy, just to to kind of get this deal, not get this deal done without any concession, you know? Like there needs to be, yeah. There, there needs, needs to be, to be something. something. There needs to be. There needs to be showed that they're yeah. there for a purpose. I think from it should go through though, and I hope it does, because from Microsoft's perspective, they can make quite a good case that. They've been losing the console war for a while now. Like, Game Pass is great, and me and you will be the first to stand up and say Game Pass is a real, like, winning strategy for them. Yeah, I'm about to get it again. If you don't have it already and you play on Xbox or PC, it is worth it. This is a fantastic deal, and Sony's at the moment cannot compete with it. But irrespective of that, Xbox's console sales uh, and um, their own franchises have not been selling exceptionally well in the last couple of generations and you know as long as they were willing to let call of duty be on playstation as well for 10 years but perhaps they could start offering the exclusives that sony currently have in terms of like in-game extra xp and stuff like that and early access to dlc and stuff like that which sony have enjoyed with call of duty for like 10 years yeah 
if Xbox were just able to get that much at least, I think it would redress the balance between the two consoles, you know, uh, fairly. Yeah, um, for sure. And the, the thing with the sales is that actually the series uh, consoles, uh, Xbox Series X and S. Series S has done well. Series um, S is one of the, is, is actually not doing too bad because it is so cheap. Yeah, the the X actually is also not doing that bad. Um, that's also part they do. Uh, Phil Spencer also recently revealed this that every. I, I don't think it's if it's for either console or for the X or whatever, but every Xbox they sell right now costs them two hundred dollars. Like they they're actually eating costs on this. Which, which, which surprise me with the series S. I mean, which is or obviously Microsoft's long game. Like this is what they've been doing with Game Pass. Game Pass is a ridiculous. Like what you get for this money is uh, uh, pathetic. Like it's it's. I almost feel ashamed. Like I almost want to give them more money because it's Fair. so cheap. It's I I feel bad for using the service because it's so cheap, and and you have now the family sharing, which is kind of slowly uh, rolling out everywhere, where. I don't know, it will cost like five or six euros for you if you, you share it with other people and you get like hundreds of games. And obviously this comes at a cost, same as the consoles. It's because Microsoft is worth, I don't know, over a trillion. They they can eat that cost quite easily. And um, I think what that, what that um, leads to is, is a very slow but steady growth for uh, obviously the user base, the people in the, in the um, Microsoft... Uh, microcosm and also the consoles they sell and this will obviously only grow massively with this acquisition and also let's not forget that call of duty is not the only player on the board here they would get world of warcraft diablo overwatch all those kinds of games um yes but i imagine for those like there won't be the same issue of exclusivity no one even talks about pc Yeah, it's all about Call of Duty, which I get because it's the biggest thing, obviously by far. But those other things, especially taken together, everything else they're getting is, you know, also really big. Yeah, yeah, it's still huge, absolutely. Hearthstone, I think, is still like one of the most played PC games year in year out, or it's definitely a top five, I'm sure. Yeah, and and so um, yeah, kind of the point is, uh, I I wonder how much this affects this kind of. Uh, this deal that kind of because Microsoft the Xbox One was such a disaster that for years now they could play like sort of the underdog card like oh we're poor little Microsoft Sony's so much better than us uh, please uh, have uh, some pittance for us and you are already at the point where you can't really argue that anymore um, so and they will only keep the balance will only keep shifting yeah so I'm kind of interested to see how that kind of place into this whole thing. It would and certainly be easier for Xbox to get this through as well if the if, they if, were the, shit. Shoot, if the casual shooter market, yeah, well, and if the casual shooter market looked a bit different, because right yeah. now nothing it's barren really apart from COD. COD's become such this all-consuming beast, and although there's been very successful competitive shooters, you know, you think of Valorant that's just exploded in the last couple of years. Yeah, for the casual shooter scene. Wow, have we seen like a real decline there? Like Battlefield 2042, that's so bad. I, you know, I'm not even certain there'll be another Battlefield. Halo Infinite, you know, sadly post-launch they didn't bring the support. I know, oof. <laughs> and there's just there's nothing out there. That, that's such a huge user base of casual fans. You know, 
you know, maybe a guy that picks up uh, a console on Black Friday, doesn't play too much, but remembers old shooters he likes. Shooters are easy to get into, quick, fun. They don't require too much effort. You can play a half-hour game. COD's really one of the only things out there at the moment that's, like, keeping up uh, with current-gen consoles and tech for that massive player base. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that's probably making it a lot harder for them to get this through as well. I mean, there's nothing like COD out there. Uh, uh, I mean, there is, and it's FIFA. Those are those. Yeah. Those two games are on their own throne, um, of their own hideous design, and <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. The dominion of the casual, <laughs> <laughs> which I I have drank too much of this uh, this year. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, that cup too much. <laughs> I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about some cool indie games next week. Anyway, nice. um, there's nothing like it out there, which 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 is why this whole fuss and this whole like international drama. Is 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 very understandable, and yeah. I think it will keep going probably for. I mean, I reckon this won't be cleared up at least until summer. Like th- these kinds of things just take so such a long time. And oh yeah, I uh, imagine it won't be honestly until like oh god, it'll probably be like till sometime in maybe twenty twenty four where we get towards the conclusion of this deal. I don't know about that. I, th- I definitely think it will be next year at some point. I, because do you think be, I think that seems quite quick, though. If you think about the amount, how it, long all of these court processes take, I, and then the process of appeals. But it was announced... I mean, I, yeah, I mean the, the acquisition so. was announced in January, like early January this year. So it's already yeah. been a year, basically. And they're now in the middle of this whole process. I think at the very latest end of next year everything will be agreed i think they will make I, that concession. So. i think that's optimistic to hope for a diplomatic uh diplomatic body to move so no, fast th- yeah that's true and also this will keep getting ugly like yeah or hilarious rather um but yeah i think so w- w- what do you think this will end up you say it will take a long time i think there will be this kind of concession with cod because that's like that's the big fish, right? Like that's the one. Yeah. That's the carrot on the stick. Um, I think they will do the ten-year thing. Maybe some law, some highly paid lawyer team will write in a clause that they could potentially prolong that. You know yeah. that kind of thing. I think everything else would probably not be a problem at all. No, no, one, I think, no one seems I think to give a shit say, about World of Warcraft it, it, going through Microsoft. I think it will go, no, exactly. <laughs> I think it will go through, but it will be under the strict proviso that it remain on Sony at least throughout the whole of the PS5's life cycle and probably somewhat into the PS6 that you can still play Call of Duty. Because I imagine the PS5, no question, they'll make it always available. But I suppose that's where Xbox, that's where they'll be arguing most keenly is I think by the launch of the next gen, they would really like to be able to offer, if not exclusivity, some serious benefits to playing uh, Call of Duty on Xbox. Uh, Game Pass day one, probably. And then Game Pass by that point will cost 30 euros or something. And it will be less less of a money sink for them. That's Yeah, Game Pass day one would be huge, actually. There are tons of people that would download and try out and would be into COD. And they're getting more and more to that point where it's difficult to ask people to pay for the $70 when they've got Warzone around the corner. But there are loads of people on the cusp where if it was on a Game Pass or something, oh, they'd for sure you know, download a service or pay a little bit a month to play it. Um, 
Actually, I say it's hard for them to sell it. They made a billion in eight days. And said <laughs> yeah. That's before Warzone launched. They're fine. But we're talking on a different scale. You've got to compare Call of Duty to itself. Same with yeah. FIFA. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, kind of one last thought experiment here, because something I hear some experts talk about is that the end goal of Phil Spencer, who's a disgusting man, um, <laughs> is to get... Watch out. You'll have Xbox's lawyers after us. <laughs> <laughs> that was a yeah. joke. I'm referring to his very shrewd business practices. Um, <laughs> it's basically to get Game Pass on PlayStation. Because Phil Spencer said, oh yeah, as long as PlayStations are on the market, there will be Call of Duty on PlayStation. And kind of between the lines was, you just need Game Pass on there. Um, do you think this is something that could ever happen? I mean, this would be such a big like, concession from Sony. Um, yeah, and like you know the the lines between Sony and Microsoft, which you, for many many years now used to be so hard, hard like strongly drawn. We have bl- seen them soften, blurring, ever yeah, so they're softening more and more. And and it slowly starts with the sort of um, the gateway drug is Sony allowing their exclusives to go to PC. Yeah, and then from there it's a slippery slope until you have this kind of. Yeah, as you say, a softening of the borders. And, and one but game that would be quite extreme. Yeah. One it's game an interesting that will, thought experiment. One game that will go down in history is MLB The Show Twenty One, which is uh, obviously an official uh, baseball game, and it's published by Sony, developed by Sony, but um, it came out on Xbox and PC, so you could play, you could start Game Pass, play, uh, put on on your Xbox turn on MLB and a Sony logo would pop up. And that's like, that was like unimaginable five years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, so I think this will be like kind of the, the breaking point, you know, the like turning point where everything changed in, in gaming. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to, to keep following this. I mean, I'm sure um, this kind of hot phase of this whole, Fight. I can see we'll Sony keep going. doing maybe uh, Game Pass is only allowed like with the ultimate subscription of PlayStation uh, Premium. Yeah, so yeah. It's like they're still going to cream off the top. You're not getting Xbox without giving them something each yeah. month. Yeah, and, well. and a massive cut as well for them on top. Yeah. Something like that. It's like a lot Sick of like... troubles. <laughs> man, this is like... This, this whole thing has been really fun to, <laughs> to see... Um, Especially, oh man, some of the statements and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see how this keeps going and like all the rumored stuff I mentioned earlier with like lawsuits and concessions and then reg- yeah. regulators. Like, as you say, just so many great stories of the Sony and Xbox having to, on public record, just explain why in certain ways they're shit. Yeah, just to be persuaded that they're so shit, they should be allowed to get away with this. It's um, great. I'm, I'm very, like. ex- I'm very fun. excited for the Netflix documentary in five years. For yeah, sure. yeah, 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 hundred percent. Oh, that's so true. Else, yeah, I, I can already picture it now. Oh, that's good. I really do hope though that this is another thing that hopefully does lead. You know, if they have to do these certain concessions to each other, I hope I do see a softening of the borders. Because having grown up, really, my golden age for console gaming were on three hundred and sixty, and I have so many. There's so many titles from that era that. I loved and they're important and that I'm, I, I, you know, I have enough nostalgia for, I will always enjoy replaying, but they're inaccessible to me. Now I made the pretty much hard switch to Sony and have been here since PS4. I, you know, I've lost those games to time and some of them went, you know, the PC can offer some, can help somewhat, but 
Yeah, I would love it one day to be able to get Game Pass on PlayStation. I really would. That'd be an absolute dream. And as we said earlier, it's just a great deal. Way better than Sony's. Yeah, fuck that shit. I mean, like, I don't even want to talk. It makes me so angry. Because it could yeah, be cool. I don't think I'm ever going to pay for more than premium. It could be cool, but I don't think they're going to do... They, they're not prepared, I think, to eat the cost that Game Pass is. So I don't think you're ever going to have it be like, wow, you need to get this. No, it's kind of cool that they do... Ah, never mind. I was going to give them, like, how do you say, like, pat them on the back for the bare minimum, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, it, there's some cool stuff going on there. It's also a massive disappointment. But, yeah. yeah, I am I am about to get uh, Game Pass because I really want to play the latest Xbox exclusives, which are uh, Pentiment, uh, the latest Obsidian uh, entertainment game. Uh, famously, makers of Fallout New Vegas, the best RPG ever made. And um, I I got to play this at Gamescom, actually. It's, it's incredibly cool. Nice, just cool. snuck that in there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite RPG of all time. It's put it like that. I, I, it's a great choice. It's a great choice. Um, Pandemonium is really cool. Uh, it's like it's like a uh, RPG adventure detective story set in 16th century Bavaria. And oh, I'm, we talked about this, didn't you? Yeah, go to yeah. the booth at a convention. Yeah, yeah. Last I played year, it. I, 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 I remember. I played it at Gamescom. Back. I played it at Gamescom. And really liked it, and it got rave reviews, and I'm excited to play it. I'm going to get Game Pass for that. And uh, High on Life is coming out soon, which I'm oddly interested in. It's that obnoxious game with the talking guns by the Rick and Morty uh, oh, yeah, makers. Yeah, yeah. But I heard it's actually really good. Like, previous came out recently. Make good games, it's... dude. Like, the VR um, the VR game that was made by the Rick and Morty team was one of the like funnest VR games I remember of the last 10 years. It was, like, really solid. Yeah, I, I, I read and heard some of the previews that came out last week, I think, and they really convinced me to give this a shot because it actually sounds really fun. And then and everyone said that the trailers like really misrepresented the game. Like, it's not nearly as annoying as it sounds. And also, the uh, Justin Rowland, who does Rick and Morty, he's only one or two characters in the game. And there's actually, like, this whole cast of really amazing comedic actors. It's actually supposed oh, to be cool. genuinely funny and, like, really fun. And, I'm sure it will and, be. and that's coming day one on Game Pass as well. I think December. 15th. Dude, I think a Plague yeah. Tale. I think a Plague Tale is as yeah, well. Both. Like you yeah. should consider that because that looks super fun. Yeah, I'm kind of done with like story. big games right now. Like. Oh, God of War's taken out of you. The big commitments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I've been playing like kind of hard to earlier. I've been very casual this year. I've been mostly playing AAA releases, and by the reason uh, yesterday I started the game Immortality. Have you ever okay. heard about this? No. Um, it's it's by the people who made her story a few years ago, just like this breakout indie hit, which is basically like an amazing FMV game, where you, I don't, I, I'm not gonna start describing it because I could talk about this game for hours, but it's 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 actually on Netflix, so I've been playing this on my phone. Oh, I'm it, seeing it on Steam now. It's like a kind of um. Not point and click, but like a kind of detective, very yeah. uh, cinematic game. Yeah, exactly. It's extremely cinematic, and you you have like, uh, so uh, the the developers made basically three movies, and uh, three fictional movies, and with all the surrounding bits, and you see every take from from the movies as like clips, 
and wow. you you watch the clips you can like uh go forward and back and then you can pause and select any element from a clip and it will jump to any other of the over 200 clips that has a matching element and and that's how you play the game and you find out there's like a, a multiple core mysteries surrounding um an actress who who was in all of these movies and all of these movies never came out and they all had like weird tragedies surrounding them and through watching these clips from the making of the movies you find out just you as your player there's like no like checklist from the game or something you yourself find out what is going on here it's like this really exciting mystery that is and it's incredibly well produced like all of these movies are amazingly done and they're like period films there's like a movie from the 60s there's a movie from the 70s and from the 90s and they're like spot on period accurate and like just you're just watching three amazingly produced movies basically and this like gameplay element of jumping from clip to clip is is so engaging is is so fun it's like such a wild ride you never go where you go next I never so, thought yeah. we'd offer a recommendation from Netflix. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure most of you have it. So please do um, go away yeah. and play that. Yeah, higher highest recommendation. I, I'm absolutely love. I'm. I've become completely obsessed with this game since yesterday. I'm really oh, loving love it. it. Immortality. Big recommendation. Nice. Are there any other recommendations you'd want to give for this week? Any um, events or releases? Um. Well, the Callisto Protocol is coming out next. Uh, no, this week. This Friday. Um, so okay, so after, probably probably after they listen to it, but this was nice, perfect, okay. Um, I am working on getting the game. I haven't heard back from my contacts yet, so we'll see. Potentially, I will have played it by the time uh, we record the next podcast. You know, the next big AAA game. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about this because it's it's basically a new take on Dead Space. Like it looks very similar to Dead Space. Because yeah. it's by uh, the same director, and like part of the team is the same as well. They they formed a new studio and made a very similar game, <laughs> which I'm fine with because I love Dead Space and uh, this one looks really good. So I'm quite excited. And if you like like actiony horror games, uh, definitely keep an eye out on this one. It looks really good. There we go then. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got a game for Netflix for free. And if you've got a bit of money in your back pocket, maybe the Callisto Protocol is for you if you love Death Space. Yeah. We will uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Beautiful. Well, cheers. Cheers. I wish I could cheers. But without a beer to chink. Yeah, yeah exactly. We never mentioned the fact that we're recording remotely. I know. We're, we're talking to each other over Teams. We did well. <laughs> well, we did very well. Yeah, it was great fun, dude. That was really nice. Right, I'll stop recording now. <laughs>